Good morning, everybody. Lee Brower here, and welcome to this week's edition of Meaningful Monday. I am grateful to be here, and I am glad to be here. And I'm going to tell you why. Have you ever had a bumper guard moment? A moment in time? You know those bowling alleys where you roll the ball and the bumper guard comes up so you can't make a gutter? It just knocks your ball back into play, kind of keeps you from drifting. Well, I feel like we all at times have bumper guard moments where we start to drift a little bit and something knocks us back on. Well, that's the experience that I have. And Lori has asked me to share it with you. It's not easy, but it's important that I do share it. And I'll explain that towards the end. A little bit of background. Many of you know our son Nick had cancer. Uh, after a year of living with, living with cancer, there was no evidence of disease for a full year. And at that time, he went to a, to a camp put on by First Descents. Uh, which was a kayaking camp for young adults only, and he had an experience where he came back and said, we've got to do something to give back. It turned him around. It made a huge difference in his life. So we started softball tournaments. Our first one was, was meager, but still exciting. Girls dressed up, wacky. Um, you know, and that, by the way, that's how the wacky tournament started, with warriors against cancer in kids and young adults. So it was wacky. It was a lot of fun. And we continued to do it each year, and it continued to grow every year. It was one of Nick's most favorite things to do, was to attend um, those, uh, those softball tournaments. In fact, even, uh, uh, even the last one that he attended, he was very, very sick. Uh, but still, he insisted on wrapping himself up in a blanket and, uh, and still going and be there to award the uh, winners of the tournament. Um, shortly after he passed away, however, um, it seemed like the spirit of the event started to change. It started to go more into a competitive spirit with the parents, with the coaches, more so than with the kids. The kids seemed to keep the spirit. And, but, the, but the harmful nature of that kind of an experience pained Lori to the point of where she was in tears following this tournament. She swore that she would never do one again. And she'd had it. And, uh, but the girls being what they are, they kept talking to her as she would see them in different places. Are we going to have the tournament again? It's the most fun tournament in the world. We all look forward to it at the end of the year. We love to dress up. It's a good cause. Please, please, please. And so she decided to continue with the tournaments. Now that's important. A couple things are important. Nick, Nick starting wacky. Now the tournament was canceled. Now it continues. And now this very last one, we're at over 12 fields. We've got over 40 teams. We turn away almost 40 teams. It was the most successful one ever. Part of the reason was after that turning point, Lori said, I think they understand the what and the how, but they don't understand the why. Let's put a cancer youngster, what she called a cancer cutie, in the dugout. Let's give, assign each team a cancer cutie. And that's been a miracle, for not for the families of the young children living with cancer, and for the, the children and the coaches and the umpires and everybody that's participating in the event, it's completely turned the spirit of it, of it around. And this last one was just phenomenal. More tears were shed than cuss words. <laughs> tears, tears of gratitude. It was a wonderful event. But while I was there, our neighbor, Jamie, who was a volunteer and her, whose father was a dermatologist, dermatologist who recently sold his practice, um, she and I were talking and I said, you know, dermatologists are hard to get in and see. She says, what do you mean? I said, well, I've, you know, I've gone in before and had the cold spray on these pre-cancer things, but I've got one on my nose where it keeps shedding and I, I should get there and get it taken care of. But every time I call, it's a two month wait. 
And she said, let me look at that. And I think just kidding, she kind of gave me a bad time. She says, oh, I've seen ones like that. You know, if you don't get them taken care of, they pretty soon have to start cutting off and it doesn't go away and they just keep cutting till you don't have a nose. Well, maybe I'm just not susceptible to inspiration, but I am maybe, but I am afraid of losing my nose. And so whatever motivated me in, the mo in that moment, I asked her to help me. She says, I can get you in to see the doctor that bought my father's practice. So I was, that was on a Saturday. On Tuesday, I'm in that office. And sure enough, she, the doctor came in. She sprayed my nose, sprayed my ears, took care of it, started to leave the room, turned around and said, do I need to scan your whole body? And I'd never had my body scanned before, ever. And I didn't intend to in that moment either. She just threw the gown at me. She said, take your clothes off and put this gown on. I'll be back in five minutes. So that's what I did. She came back in. She did a search. And then she came around the back. She looked at something. She goes, I don't like that. Let's, let's take a biopsy on that. I didn't even feel her cut it off. And she sent me on my way. A week later, I'm walking out with Lori. Heading, you know, we're leaving an office building, heading to go to the airport. I had a flight to catch. And I noticed that she had called. So I called back to her office. She left a message to call her, and so I called her office and said, can I speak to the doctor, please? And they said, well, she's in with a patient. She can't see you right now. I said, well, will you be willing to uh, kind of open up her file for me? This was a new receptionist. Can you peek into the file and kind of tell me what's in there? And so she agreed. She find, finally found it. And she opens it up, and she reads it, and she says, aggressive malignant melanoma. Is there anything else I can do for you? Well, it's on speaker. Lori's standing there. I'm there. And um, the word cancer for us is not, you know, that, that's a scary word. And uh, I was worried more about her, but bless her heart, she looks at me and she says, man, don't you have enough character yet? <laughs> and so I said, I told the young lady, please listen, based on what you said, go get the doctor. I am not hanging up this phone until I talk to her. The doctor came back, confirmed the words. Absolutely, they were true. But she said, I think we got it early enough. I don't think it's entered into your bloodstream or your lymph stream. I think we can cut it out. Hopefully we can get it out and there will be no chemo, no radiation. You'll be done with it. And I said, let's do it. So we set the time. I came back in, four inch scar, diamond shape, put it all back together. And just last week got a call and said, the pathology report came in, no cancer whatsoever. Um, uh, it, you know, left in there, they got it all. And that I don't have to do chemo or, or uh, or radiation and that I don't have to come back for 90 days and make sure everything's all right. Well, I was so grateful and I started thinking about the sequence of events and I'm so grateful for that sequence of events. And that's where Lori said to me when I said, I don't want to tell anybody about it. I didn't really tell anybody except my closest friend, I mean, my close family really. And that was arm twisting to do that. But, you know, she said, you need to share that. You need to share it. Don't be the last person with this. It's gone, this, fall, this whole chain, this whole chain came about as we, to allow you to be able to discover that you had cancer. And it was a gift from God. You know, I mean, don't think for a second that, you know, and, and I look, I had nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with this. If the sequences hadn't happened how they had, I would still be walking around with cancer. And so I'm very, very grateful. And it reminded me in that moment of something that Nick had said, and uh, in fact, we have it recorded. But he said something like, um, we often meet people uh, that say, why me, especially at the hospital. But I don't think that's what the question should be. The question should be, 
What can I do now that I have cancer? And so with that spirit in mind, I share this story with you. You know, the one thing that we can all invest in, the one thing that we, we have control over is our own health, the outcome of our own health, how our own well-being, how we take care of ourselves. We can make, excuse me, the one thing we've not controlled but we can take, have an impact on. And we need to listen and we need to take care of ourselves. This is the greatest investment that we can make. Self-care. Self-care. Self-health care is the best health plan that's out there. So uh, I've got, we've got a link there for Nick. Uh, I'd love to have you listen to his invitation to, to discover more about Wacky. It's three minutes long, but he talks about these things. I'd love you to meet Nick and get to know him. And so click on that link. And if you feel like sharing this, please share it. Please share it with others so that they can hear this same message. Okay? I'll talk to you soon. Have a wonderful and a meaningful week. Bye-bye.